How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. My motivation is this ghost I'm chasing. The ghost played in Chicago. to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Show brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and if you want to find me on Twitter you can do so by searching up at redrock underscore b-ball and of course you can uh, download this podcast the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast formerly known as the Red Rock Basketball Monster Show. You can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Stitcher, you can find us on TuneIn, you can find us on Google Play, and if you do that, why don't you go and hit that subscribe button, leave a review, make it five stars, it would be awesome, and that really helps the show grow as well, and while you're at it, check out all the other Locked On podcasts as well, I think we've got about 22 NBA teams at the moment, we've got six NFL teams happening, we've got a Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson, formerly from ESPN, we've got Locked On NBA from um, uh, David Locke, obviously, who started the network. Heaps of podcasts and great team-specific info. You'll find so many nuggets in those shows. Really entertaining as well. And I'm going to be having quite a few of those guys on the podcast coming up. So make sure you are subscribing to this show, leaving a review, leaving a rating, and um, and you know, you know what? Tweet it out. Tweet it out on social media. Re- retweet it. Uh, share it on Facebook. Just get the, the show out there. It is really helpful. If you are someone who um, is interested in advertising on this show, you can always hit me up at redrockfantasybasketball at gmail.com for any advertisement uh, inquiries. As I said, you can watch this show live on YouTube, and if you are happening to watch this show live on YouTube at the moment, welcome. Um, I did have a, a tweet put out for people to guess the um, the jerseys that I have behind me, debuting two new jerseys. I've got a, a New York Knicks, Derek Rose, and I've got a yellow Cavs, LeBron James there, two, uh, two new additions to the jersey collection. I think that's all my new ones. I've got about 10 on order, still coming, but they're the, they're the last of my new ones that I've uh, debuted on the show. So um, yeah, that's that's the answer to that question. We've got a, a, I don't think it's going to be an overly long show today, but every time I say that, I end up waffling shit for about an hour. So let's see how we go and let's get to it, to it. All right. So what we're doing in today's show is I'm going to answer questions from you guys, as I always do. And you can uh, email those to me. You can tweet them to me. You can uh, Facebook them to me. You can post them to me. However you want to do it, you can get those questions to me. But what we're doing is um, the guys over at CBS Sports, Matt Moore, Zach Harper, James Herbert, they, they do... Great stuff over there. Matt's uh, Matt's a great guy. Obviously, I've I've met him plenty of times. He's been on on plenty of times. I met him a few times over in in Vegas. He's been on the show before, and he is the founder of Hardwood Paroxysm. Um, Those guys put together a ranking of the best NBA starting lineups. They also did rankings of the best NBA bench units. So I'm not going to go through and look at their starting lineup rankings. I think you'll find some discussions of that on the other Locked On podcast networks, just talking about the specific teams. I wanted to use that article, and I suggest you go and read it because there is some good info there. Use that article to look at how they've projected their starting lineups and to highlight the teams where I think that the starting lineups might be wrong. Again, this is not 
I'm not having a go at them. It's more, and this is always about fantasy in trading, in waiver wiring, in uh, drafting, finding market inefficiencies, finding undervalued guys. And if these three guys over at CBS who watch as much basketball as me, maybe more, if that's what they think is a starting lineup, and I think something different, that means that maybe when you look at the overall scheme of people doing drafts and ADP value, that some people might go under the radar. So I'll give you what they think is a starting lineup for these teams. I think there's about 10 or 12 teams that we disagree on for the starting lineups. We'll look at their teams, and I'll tell you who I think will start, and then that might give you someone who might come in undervalued as a, uh, as a fantasy prospect. Make sense? Cool. Let's get into it. Philadelphia 76ers, the starting lineup the guys at uh, at CBS Sports had, Sergio Rodriguez, Gerald Henderson, Bob Cove, Ben Simmons, and Jolly Locafor. Okay, the Sixers are going to be tough. I haven't gone through and done all their projections yet, but I am really, really petrified to work out where the minutes are going to go. I don't really know how it's going to work out at this point. But one thing that I do know is at this early point, I don't agree with that starting lineup in two places, at the one and at the five. I think that Henderson is a lock for the two. I think the Bob Cove is maybe not a lock for the three, but that's where I'm putting my money for Covington to be the starting small forward, and, and Simmons is going to start. He, he should start at the four. Now, maybe they run a Sarich-Simmons three and four combo. I don't know, but I think they probably go with Covington-Simmons, that, that sort of lineup. At the five, I think that they go Noel over Okafor. Now, um, Noel might be traded. Okafor might be traded. Both guys might be tr- might be traded, but I can almost, and I don't like giving guarantees here, and this is something that I don't like to... um. Don't like to do on the on the podcast. And I was thinking about this this morning. Um, you know, one of those in deep shower thoughts is when I do a podcast. I'm not really here to give advice or to give. I'm here to give advice, so to speak. But I think the major role of me in this show is to give thought processes and to give alternate alternate ways of thinking or to get an insight into someone else's thought process on something. I can say to you, this guy is crap. This guy is crap and I can give you numbers or whatever to back it up, and you might think the opposite, and that's fine, but you've got a different thought process in there. I can come and go, you know what? Evan Fournier is going to be really good, and you're going, Josh, he's playing five minutes a game on the Nuggets. And just it gets that name in your head. It just It's an extra discussion point. It's an extra thought process. So I could be wrong when I say that I think that Nerlens Noel will be the starter over Jolly Locafor. But it puts in your head that, you know what, maybe, yeah, I can see why Noel would start over Okafor, and then, therefore, maybe Noel slips 20 spots in a fantasy draft. Maybe I pick Okafor up and trade him, or I've got him in a dynasty, and I trade him based on public perception that he will be the starting center. Does that all make sense? I know you can't really reply to me on uh, in real time, unless you are watching the show live, and is there anyone watching? Yeah, there's people watching live, that's great. There's people watching live at the moment, so if... Yeah, does that all make sense? What I'm saying in terms of you know, what I'm, I'm not saying you go and do this, you go buy this player, do it now. Occasionally, I'll have really strong takes like that, but in general, I'm just here to give an opinion and to give a, an extra thought process and to be that person that when you're making a trade or making a draft pick, to feel like uh, without being creepy, to feel like the guy tapping you on the shoulder and go, "Hey, hey, what about Fournier? 
don't know if you could hear that whisper. I hope you could. But that's the sort of thing that I'm trying to do. Just get extra opinions, extra takes, extra angles on things when I'm talking about stuff. Anyway, back to this Sixers lineup. I think Noel is the starting five. I think Noel is a better player than Okafor. Okafor is clearly a better scorer, and maybe they need that scoring. But I I can see Okafor and Simmons being a real concern. One thing that I can say is that Embiid will not be the starter to start the season. Embiid will not play 30 minutes a night. He might struggle to get 20 minutes a night. He won't play back-to-backs for the first couple of months at least. He will miss games. He will be managed significantly through the season. So he might be worth a 13th round pick in a draft, and he's going to be a good dynasty prospect, if, assuming everything holds up because he is going to be a, a start in that sort of sense. But for redraft, if he was to be like a, a 30-minute center that played every night, then yeah, you're looking at a top 60 sort of guy, but it's just not going to happen. So taking an early pick on Embiid is not going to work out. Noel, on the other hand, we know his defensive potential. We know what he can do steals and blocks-wise. His rebounds were pretty high last year. He got his field goal percentage way up. His free throws are decent. They're not great. Um, and his scoring was all right. And I think with Simmons distributing, he'll play a similar role to what we saw with Sean Holmes play in Summer League, being that guy that just feasts on dump-offs down in the paint where three guys are bamboozled with what Simmons is doing and Noel comes in crashing from the side and, and smashes the ball on their head. I think that's a possibility. At point guard, I think it's Jared Bayless that's going to start over Sergio Rodriguez. Bayless, Bayless, that's not the way you say his name. Bayless is a better shooter. He was a tremendous shooter last season. I think from memory, and I probably shouldn't do that from memory, I think he shot 44% from three last season. He's a career 33% shooter, which is obviously a a tremendous amount from three. Rodriguez has never been that guy. He's He's a good floor general, but... The ball is in Simmons's hands, yeah, sixty percent of the time, and Bayless can work off the ball, and that's something that I think that the Sixers will really, um, will really appreciate, and they'll really need because you don't want Rodriguez holding the ball. Now look at um, Bayless, and oh yeah, forty-four percent he shot from three. You want so that's the way I think they run it, and it gives them an extra three-point shooter. Henderson's not a three-point shooter, but Bob Carver is a three-point shooter. And he will probably get to two threes a game. You can get Saric in there to hit some threes, and you'll have Bayless in there hitting some threes. And I think that's the best way it works out. So to me, that means that Bayless is going to go un- underdrafted in drafts because TJ McConnell's in that mix as well. And I'm not sure that people and look Bayless last year when he got that role in Minnesota, he was a top hundred player, and I think he gets even a bigger opportunity here in Philadelphia. The Brooklyn Nets, the projected starting lineup the CBS guys gave us was Jeremy Lin, Boyan Bogdanovich, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Luis Scola, and Brook Lopez. Four out of five of those, I'm um, on, on board. Luis Scola, eh, I know he started for Toronto last year. He was also really, really, really bad. And that was he was bad on a good team. Um, being bad on a bad team... he's got no one to cover him. He shot 40% from three last year after never taking threes in his life, which is tremendous, but he was just an abysmal defender. I think that Trevor Booker is going to be the starter. I think that by January, Chris McCullough is going to be the starter. So I think that the Booker is going to have late round value to start off. And if you've got a deeper bench, and this is when all this advice goes, you've got to take your individual league into consideration. If you've got three bench spots and daily changes, Stashing players is bullshit. You can't do it because you just end up losing and losing. You can stash McCullough and he might play 10 minutes a game for two months. He might play 30 for the last three months, but what about all those matchups you lost initially? If you've got a, a weekly changes, you're in a roto league, you've got a 10-man bench, absolutely. But I think Booker is the guy that starts next season. 
uh, for for the Nets and um, and Scola plays limited minutes. He, he'll play some, but I don't think that he approaches the 22 minutes a game that he played last season. I think he's there more of, as a teaching tool, um, more as a, a veteran locker room presence guy rather than a guy that's going to be a huge impact guy. They want to see what they got from a color. Yeah, Booker's a bit younger than, or he's a lot younger than Scola, and I think he'll be a, a nice stopgap uh, position guy for the Nets. Let's move on to the Phoenix Suns, and this is, I don't know, I don't know what, what to do with the Phoenix Suns. The CBS guys have gone Brandon Knight, Eric Bledsoe, Jared Dudley, Alex Len, and Tyson Chandler. Now, we saw at the end of last season, Earl Watson just kept going with the Len-Chandler combination. It was dreadful. It was woeful. Len looked really bad, um, out of position, and that's going to de- depress his value. Now, you'll see, and I know I harp on about recency bias quite a lot, but you'll see a lot of things written about Len. Oh, he's so big, can't block shots. He's a terrible shot blocker. He's actually not. He's actually a really good shot blocker, but when you're playing out of position and you're playing on the perimeter, blocking shots is, is not quite the uh, not quite as easy. If we look back to the season before last, um, when he was you know, playing his actual position, you'll see that he is a decent shot blocker. Now, last year, he blocked per 36 minutes 1.2 shots. Terrible the season before 2.5 per 36 minutes that is the Alex Lent he went through stretches of just you know, bang five blocks five blocks four blocks two blocks three blocks just blocking shots everywhere but he played out of position he wasn't protecting the rim because he wasn't being asked to protect the rim his field goal percentage dropped from 51 to 42 because he was taking perimeter shots he wasn't finishing down low he wasn't grabbing offensive boards and putting them back in he he wasn't being that dump off guy because Tyson Chandler can't if he puts one foot out of the paint it starts to like shrivel up like the guy in Indiana Jones in the last crusade when he drinks out of the wrong holy grail that's what it feels like happens to Tyson Chandler if he touches the ball outside the paint it's immediate death and that's what impacted Lynn so you'll see those things written about him don't believe it don't well, no, don't believe it because it's true. He was a bad shot blocker last year, but look into more why Why was the case. Why was he a bad shot blocker? Don't just go, yeah, he's a bad shot blocker. Look back. He was a good shot blocker. Anyway, the starting lineup. I don't think that Earl Watson will run a Len Chandler uh, front court. I reckon, I think that they go with Bledsoe. I think they go Booker. I think they go PJ Tucker. Mm, although TJ Warren's interesting. I think they go, yeah, so I go Bledsoe, Booker, Tucker, Dudley at the four. I think that's almost a guarantee. And then they go Chandler at five. Unfortunately, I wish it was Len, but I think that that's what they do. So that means that there there is some, if, if and I was going to say Booker might be undervalued, but he won't be because everyone, everyone loves Devin Booker. But you might see some... Um, it's definitely an interesting situation with the way that look they they could run a stupid lineup of Knight Bledsoe Booker as the one two three. I don't they're going to get destroyed defensively with Booker and Knight at the two and the three, but it's a possibility they could run really small like that. There's a lot of questions with this Phoenix starting lineup, but I'm not I'm definitely not sold that they're running the two bigs as the starters. Miami Heat. The CBS guys have gone Goran Dragic, Tyler Johnson, Justice Winslow, Chris Bosh, Hassan Whiteside. Obviously, the big elephant in the room is, is Chris Bosh going to play? 
let's assume that he is. I don't think Tyler Johnson starts. I think that Joshie Richardson continues to start at that spot. Dion Waiters is obviously also in the mix, but I think that Johnson plays as the backup one and as the backup two, and Joshie Rich plays as the uh, backup one a little bit as well. So does Waiters. I think that they go with Dragic, Richardson, Winslow, Bosch, Whiteside. Now, I'm pretty sure we had a question come in about the um, uh, about the Heat starting line. I'm just going to look for it. Yeah, came in from uh, PJ Rico. He says, How do you, who do you see starting for Miami at 2, 3, and 4 if Bosch does not play? Good question. So I'll go through that now. I think that they run. I think they go Dragic. I think they then go um, Johnson. I think that they go Richardson at the 3, and I think they go Winslow at the 4. That's how I would see them do it. The other guy they can put in is uh, Joshie McRoberts. Not sure they do that. His body is pretty beaten up. But I would I would assume that they would go Dragic, Johnson, Richardson, Winslow, Whiteside if there's no Bosch. The Charlotte Hornets starting lineup. Kemba Walker, Nick Batum, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Marvin Williams, and Roy Hibbert. Um, yeah. Cody Zeller is going to be undervalued this season. Cody Zeller will be the starting center. Roy Hibbert, he's really bad. Um, no, that's not true. He's a good defender, and he's good for other people um, in terms of what they do rebounding-wise. He's not as good a defender as he used to be. He's a decent shot blocker. But I think Cody Zeller is going to be really, really underrated this season. He played only 24 minutes last year and almost snuck himself inside the top 120. I think he's got a potential to be a top, 120, a top 100 player this year. I think he probably plays... You know, four or so extra minutes a game, maybe 27 to 28, and Hibbert plays a 20-minute backup. I, I don't see Hibbert being the starter. There, look, if people believe that, then that's fine. That might mean that you know, he's an interesting fantasy guy, but he doesn't really move the needle for me. But Zeller does. Zeller can shoot. He can stretch a little bit. He can block shots. He can um, he can pass. He can rebound. He can score a little bit. I really like Cody Zeller. Now, he's never going to be a top 50 guy, but I think that he will be a starter, and I think that he will be a guy that um, becomes a bit undervalued this season. Let's look now at the Boston Celtics. The CBS guys have gone Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Amir Johnson, and Al Horford. Now, I put this one in because... I. If I really, really sat down and think about it, I reckon they probably do go with that starting lineup. I want Kelly Olynyk in there, though. Put Horford at the four, play Olynyk at the five, stretch him out across the floor, and go that way. The other thing that they could do, and they probably won't start this lineup, but I'm predicting a pretty big season for Marcus Smart, is to go Thomas, Bradley, Smart, Crowder at the four, and Horford at the five. I don't completely, I don't really disagree with this lineup having a Johnson Horford front court. I think it's fine, but I would really, in his fourth season, this is really the time for Olenek to step up. I hope that Brad Stevens has that belief, which he has in in small portions throughout the season. I hope he has the full belief, and I think that an Olenek Horford front court would be tremendous. That's it. So I think Olenek has a real chance to be a top 100 guy. I think Marcus Smart has a massive chance as well. And I think regardless of where Smart plays, he's in line for 30 minutes this season. The Raptors, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Damari Carroll, Patrick Patterson, and Jonas Valanciunas. I don't think Pat Pat starts. I think that it's almost guaranteed to me to be Jared Sullinger. That's what the uh, the Raptors have come out and said. I think that it will be Sullinger starting there. Um Carroll, I've been on record saying about Carroll plenty of times. I'm just not sure that he's good. I think that he probably will start the season there, but by the middle of the season, if Normie Powell isn't the starting, if, or if Normie Powell is the starting small forward for this team, or guard and, and DeRozan's at the three, whatever, their wings, I would just be going, cool, pretty good decision. 
and that's the way I look at it. Now, I, I've picked Tamara Carroll in a fantasy draft because I got him at ridiculously low value. And if it doesn't work out, whatever. It doesn't work out. But I, I'm not convinced. I'm, yeah, Kyle Lowry, 100%. DeMar DeRozan, 100%. Jonas Valanciunas, 100%. Tamara Carroll, 60%. Patrick Patterson, 10%. I think that Salinger definitely starts at the four. But again, there's lots of different ways you can go with all of these, um, all these starting lineups. And that's, they're the ones that I disagree with. So again, there's not many. How many? Five, six, seven. Only seven of those starting lineups that I disagreed with with the CBS guys. So it's not... Um, James just asked me a question. Why did I draft Amari Carroll? Well, James, I, I, I think I just mentioned that. Because at pick 154, he was terrible last season and he exceeded that value. So I think I, I'd have a go at it and I'm not running the Raptors. I don't know if I was running the Raptors, I'd put Powell out there. I'm not running them. So it's not about who I think is better. It's about who do I think they think is better. And I think there's still a chance, but I think it's 60-40 in Carroll's chance. And even if Carroll doesn't start, I think he still plays 27 minutes or so off the bench as a, maybe a little bit of the four. He plays a little bit of the three as well. And Powell might start and play 26 minutes a night or whatever it is. But I think that there is that chance. It is still firmly in Carroll's favor, but he is by no means a lock as a starting small forward, in my opinion. But good question, James. And yeah, sometimes some of the things I may say and do might appear contradictory, but there are definite thought processes that go behind them. And call me out on them by all means and I'll, I'll give you my explanation but that's it I wouldn't be picking Carroll at pick 60 where he was when he was in Atlanta not, not a chance in the world but when I can get him 90 spots later I go yeah fine. you know what fine and if someone else believes in Carroll more than I do I'm happy to trade him if you want him but that's that's my thought process behind it about why I picked him even though I'm not completely sold on him that's the seven starting lineups that I um that I differed with the CBS guys Again, who knows who's right, who knows who's wrong. Those other 23 that we agree on, maybe they're wrong as well. But my idea in doing all this was to highlight maybe some players that fly under the radar or maybe some players who get a little bit overvalued heading into draft time. And I'm going to be doing more of that stuff, obviously, as we move forward. Let's get into some of the questions that you guys had. Um, Steve at Steve Paul Lewis one says, Is Brandon Knight starting or coming off the bench? I don't know. Um, they haven't really said. Brandon Knight is adamant that he's going to be a starter. I am not sure that Earl Watson would do that. But Watson is a very buddy-buddy uh, sort of coach. So he might be, okay, Brandon, yep, you're going to continue to start. It's definitely not the best thing for me in terms of franchise growth and development, but I'm not sure that Watson really has that in mind. The Len stuff last year was not really good for you know, franchise development. It didn't make a huge amount of sense. If I had to put money on, as I said before, Brandon Knight, I would have as the sixth man. Still play a lot of minutes. The next question Steve asks is, is Tibbs keeping Rubio for the season? I I have to say yes. I can't see why he wouldn't. And there's a lot of people, and this is a very, very common theme um, from people, well, once he sees done play, he'll trade Rubio. My response to that is, have you seen Tom Thibodeau coach before? Have you seen Thibodeau coach? What rookies does he play? Jimmy Butler didn't play. Dougie McDermott played eight minutes a night. Rookies just don't play. Now, some of them are shit. Marcus Teague, fair enough. Jimmy Butler's not terrible. He didn't play. Dougie McDermott, better than what he um what he, what he he was given an opportunity to show. I don't really see Thibodeau going, all right, Chris Dunn, you go in now. You're our starter now. I, I can't see that happening. And a lot of people, oh, but you know, Dunn's a great defender. You know who else is a great defender? Ricky Rubio. You know who's a better defender than, than Chris Dunn? Ricky Rubio. You know who's a better passer? Ricky Rubio. 
And then, and I was having this discussion back and forth with a listener today, oh, but that, that they need some shooting to space it out. You know who else can't shoot? Chris Dunn. So Dunn comes in as being a bad shooter, still better than Rubio, I'll give you that, but he's not, he can't hit free throws. At a, I think he's a 60% free throw guy, or 65%, not a good free throw shooter, not a good three-point shooter, and one of those guys that I'm weary of because he had two shoulder injuries in college, and he had a real dominant season as an older guy beating up on younger players and similar my issue with with Buddy Heald that that, I've less of a concern with Dunn with that because he did it sort of the season before as well but I have somewhat of a concern with that I just don't see Thibodeau coming in and training camp and going oh Chris Dunn you've done it man that's it you are the starter Rick see you later Ricky Rubio is extraordinarily underrated I know people might think that I love him more than I probably should but he is a top two passer in the league he's a top two defensive point guard in the league He's the worst shooter in the league, definitely. But you know what? He can actually hit threes. And the second half of last season, we saw him start to knock down some jumpers. He doesn't take opportunities. And it's not an issue like a uh, Rajon Rondo where he just dribbles and people just sag off completely because Rubio is actually a better passer to me than what Rondo is. And he's a better uh, offensive general than what than what Rondo is. And the lack of shooting or lack of shooting attempts doesn't really, it doesn't really bother a team as much because his ability to find an open guy at the right time and that that's key as well finding an open guy and finding them at the right time is a great combination i i just i feel like i'm just giving rubio a central back massage every time i talk about him but that's just it's not not what i'm doing i just there's a lot of negativity about rubio that's around and i think that assuming you're willing to punt field goal percentage and it's not even a definite because his volume is so low and his percentage has increased that Rubio provides tremendous value and you're probably not going to have to take him in the top 50 and he's probably going to return top 50 value. Dunn will play, but will he exceed 25 minutes? I don't think so. I think it's Rubio, I think it's Levine. I'd be more worried about Levine losing minutes because of his lack of defense than I would about Rubio. Again, I could be wrong with all this. Steve goes with one more question. Three three questions in one tweet. That's a super efficiency, Steve. Where does Aaron Gordon play this year? They're going to start him at the three. Um... And from all accounts, his, uh, his work at the three has looked really good. I still don't buy it, but I think that's, that's where he plays. He'll play, he'll play at the four some as well, but he'll do most of his work or the start, starting off the games uh, as a three. And yeah, that's okay, but I'm not really sure he's in line for a breakout season because of the out-of-positionness and because of this weird uh, Orlando roster. Big Barry Baker says, Will DeMontis Sabonis be a starter at OKC this season? Before I get into that, one quick, one thing, Barry. You've got an egg as your, uh, as your pitcher. You need, if you've got an egg as your Twitter pitcher, you need to change it. Put something there. Just get rid of the eggs. Just change it. It's not hard. Just put any picture there. I don't care what it is. Put a flag there. Put a team logo. Get rid of the eggs. Will Sabonis be the starter? I think that Ersan Ilyasova starts uh, the season there. Um... He might not last as a season there. Kant is also in, in the option uh, option to start there. He probably won't. But I think Sabonis has a chance towards the end of the season to become a starter, but I do not think that he starts off uh, the season there. And a question just coming then from uh, uh, Michael Austin. says, is Ennis Kanter starting or off the bench? Well, I, I did just talk about that, Michael, but obviously you aren't watching live. So um, I think that he does start the season off the bench. Jacob Scott says, will I be discussing the Rockets starting lineup? I won't because I did agree with what the... Um, uh, with what the CBS guys did, but I'll give it to you now. Their lineup, and this is how I think they'll run it, Beverly Harden, Ariza, Ryan Anderson, and Clint Capella. 
I can I can see them going with a Harden Gordon lineup, but I think that um I think that Gordon will play a thirty minute bench role. Beverly might only play twenty four minutes or so. He might get to twenty six or twenty seven, but I think that I can see Gordon uh, being the sixth man, and I agree with the Beverly Harden Ariza Anderson and Clint Capella starting five. Next question, um, Vivek. He says Portland is crazy for giving Evan Turner that contract. Oh, yep, cool. Who starts at small forward? Turner. I don't think there's any doubt that Turner starts at, at small forward. Crab is a good 3 and D guy. And he's a better fit with Lillard and CJ. Yeah, maybe, but that's not what they're going to do. Yeah, I hated what Portland did in the offseason for so many reasons. Crab is... I think Crab will get drafted in standard leagues, and I think it'll be wrong. Um, he really doesn't do a huge amount to me. He hits threes, but it's not a big volume, and he does nothing else. Yeah, he's a decent defender, but I, I I agree that Turner should be playing off the bench. I just don't think that's what they're going to do. Dennis Hickson says, "Who's the best? Who's best starting next to Horford to maximise Thomas's value?" I'm not really sure that the um that the Celtics are going to be going. Oh, who are we going to start next to Al to make Isaiah Thomas better? I still think it's I think it's a Linux regardless of Thomas's value because of the extra stretchiness that you give and the unique uniqueness that a Linux brings to that position. Um, and who's better to max Alfred's value? Again, I'm sure the Magic don't give a shit about that. Yeah, Vucevic or Biombo? Um, I think it has to be Vucevic because you don't want to have a- another bad, poor shooter in that starting lineup. You want to have a guy like Vucevic who can provide offense. And if Peyton dumps it down to him, he, uh, he'll be able to catch him and he won't be uh, dealing with Lego hands like Bismarck Biombo's got. So I think that Vucevic and Peyton is definitely the better combo for, uh, for Lord Alfred's value. I've asked, I've answered PJ Ricker's question already. Steve Adams is MVP. Says who is starting at the two, three, four for the Nets? Um, went through that already. I think it's going to be Boyan, Rondé, and Trevor Booker. Is Lynn going to be their number two guy? Absolutely, far and away their number two guy. They don't have anyone who's going to touch Lynn as the number two guy. Lynn is going to put up a big season. He has got a real chance to be a top seventy-five player this season, and he will be, I think, underdrafted in drafts. Danny says, who's the Houston power forward? Ryan Anderson, the Sacramento shooting guard and small forward. Uh, Aaron Aflalo, I think it'll be, and small forward, it's going to be Gay or Caspi would be would be my oh well it depends if Gay's there. if Gay's there it's going to be Gay, and the Sacramento lineup the guys at CBS had I agreed with is Gay, Corley Stein, and Cousins as the three four five. So I think that Gay will be the three in Sacramento. Four one six basketball and Joe Buck ask very similar questions. Four one six basketball says the Raptors have said Sullinger will start at power forward. Yes, they have. Do you buy that, considering they also want to play him at backup center? Absolutely, I buy that. Um, he'll play backup center. He won't play huge amounts of minutes there. Bebe will play minutes there, and uh, Jack- Jakob Purtle will play some there, but not a huge amount. I think Purtle plays a lot at uh, Raptors 905. So I think you'll see a fair bit of Bebe there playing 15 or so minutes, and maybe four or five minutes or so from Sullinger there. But I think, yes, Sullinger is the starter. Um, Joe's question is, how do you see the minutes at the four? It's going to be Sullinger, and then it's going to be Pat Pat, and maybe some Damari Carroll playing the four as well. But Sullinger's going to get the bulk of those minutes. Maybe he plays 24 minutes as the starting four. You get 22 or so out of Pat Pat, and a few more from Damari there. Malo Wan, MD. Are you a Dr. Malo? I hope you are. Which three guys do you think will start alongside D'Angelo Russell and the Mozgod on opening night? Well, for one, I hope the Mozgov's not starting. I hope it's Ivica Zubac. I will be completely wrong because it won't be Zubac. That's just what I hope. The three guys that will start, and this is exactly what the CBS guy said as well, it's going to be Clarkson at the two. I think it'll be Deng at the three, and I think it'll be Randall at the four. Now, there is some room for movement there. They could go Ingram at the three, Deng at the four. They could go um, Deng at the three, Nance at the four. And I wouldn't be shocked to see Nance. And I think that Randall's value is going to be 
moving forward in his career, going to be a 25-minute bench offense, rebounding, energy, 25-minute big man. I don't think that he's a starter. I wouldn't be shocked if Nance supplants him full-time. And maybe Randall plays more minutes. Maybe it's 27 to 24. But I wouldn't be shocked if that's the way they, they run it out. But to start, I reckon we go Russell, Clarkson, Deng, Randall, Mozgov. But lots of flexibility in that starting lineup. Definitely, there's a few a few options that they've got in what they can do with that uh, with that lineup. So there's uh, yeah, lots of things that can happen there. All right, I'll just check. I think there were some questions that came in on uh, on YouTube while we were, we were recording. Let's have a look. Okay, dis- distributed JB says: Is there any chance that Frank Kaminsky challenges for a starting spot or serious minutes at some point this season? What do you mean by serious minutes? Um, he played over twenty minutes a game last season. I think that he maybe gets an extra two or three on top of that. I don't think that he supplants Marvin Williams. Not that I believe in Marvin Williams much, but defensively, you you you're not bad having him there. But the I'm going to say acquisition, that's the wrong word. The return of Michael Kidd-Gilchrist maybe means that you go with more offense at the four and Kidd-Gilchrist just is the rebounding defending player. That's a possibility. I don't see Kaminsky grabbing a starting spot this season, but I do see him playing a role that gives him an extra two or three minutes a night as opposed to what he had last season. But a good question. I do uh, I do like that question. All right. It was a short podcast. I think a lot of these off-season ones, especially in these next couple of weeks, um, until we really release the projections, uh, there'll be some just some smaller topics and, and go through stuff like this. And any sort of topic that you want or podcast that you want done, let me know. Send me a tweet and we'll go through it. What we are going to do when we get to September, which is now becoming a yearly tradition, the 30-team preview podcasts. We're going to have one show per team, kind of cover every player on the team, talk about everything related to that team. And I'm going to be having guests on for all those shows. are going to be really mining the uh, resources of the Locked On Network and having guys like Sean Hyken on to help me with the Bulls, Danny LaRue to do some Warriors stuff. Um, we're going to have the uh, the Hornets guys, Doug and uh, Doug and the guys over at Hive Talk Live coming on to talk Hornets with me. Lots of different options. Wes from The Heat will be coming on as well. We're going to have lots of different... Oh, I've said that plenty of times. Hey, maybe we'll get David Locke on to talk jazz as well. We're going to have lots of integration with this Locked On Network and that's one of the great things about joining it is access to all these um, fantastic insider beat reporter type guys who uh, can come on and give us the uh, the inside word on, on how coaches are thinking, how players are thinking, how uh, rotations at front offices are thinking as well. So make sure you're uh, obviously still subscribed to this and looking forward to that, which will start probably around the start of September. We're done, guys. Follow me on Twitter, redrock underscore b-ball, or there's the show Twitter page, which is Locked On Fantasy. You can go and follow that as well. Check out all the other Locked On podcasts and give them a review and a rating while you're at it too. It would be tremendous to help this uh, network grow, and I think we're... uh I know, I know, we're doing really good things with this this network and it's going to start to take the NBA and the NFL world by storm with all the great content that we've got coming out. So make sure you are checking it out. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.